Welcome to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this program is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I would like to thank Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. My first guest this week is Dan Johnston, and Dan and I are talking about different types of fishing line, braid, floral, mono, listen and learn from Dan. And then next we have a mid-ice season report from Brian Brosdahl, everything ice fishing Brian is to me. He's gonna talk about what's going on up in Minnesota and across the country. And then I'd like to welcome back Ot Defoe to the program, Major League Fishing's Bass Pro Touring Angler. We're going to talk about the cold weather in the south, his schedule, what tournaments he's excited about, basically a 2024 outlook. Their season is starting here in about 10 days. But first, I would like to remind the listeners that this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. Hey, how's it going? We're in the winter time here, and uh, I'm sure you, you must have a little ice out in Iowa now. Yeah, about 10 inches. Yeah, isn't that crazy? We went from talking about no ice to having ice. But uh, today we're not really talking ice fishing. We're talking about putting line on your reels, when you should do it, what kind of lines are best. There is a lot of variables here and a lot of different kinds of lines, but there are some things that are better than uh, others to to use for certain um, techniques, aren't there? Yeah, Dave, it's a big topic, and it's totally task driven what do we want out of the line is it sink rate is it visibility is it stretch is it strength uh sometimes obviously for frog fishing sensitivity means nothing right stretch means a lot <laughs> you know so i i think the first thing we do whenever we do this topic we broadly broadly from the tops of the trees explain to the listeners the what each line category provides. So you have your monofilaments that have the highest stretch, super durable. You can tie any knot you want on it. Um, kind of the jack of all trades, works on every single reel out there. Then you have your floor cars, which actually sink a little faster than mono. Definitely the best in terms of low visibility. And then moderate stretch, and a little more critical on knots. And then you have your braid, which is the strongest without a doubt for its diameter. And then it's also um, incredibly easy to use on a reel because it has no memory. Uh, it'll cut through vegetation. And its biggest advantage, right, with strength it is as it has no stretch. So once we understand that, then we can start getting our heads around what's going to work for what application. I'll go back to task-driven, and then we can it from there. Yeah, yeah, and, and so we'll start with the braids. You you mentioned one technique that is 100% braid, and that's frog fishing, uh, because it is so important to get that head coming through that mat or those pads or the, the cover that they, they're they tucked into. I mean, you, you really got to win that battle pretty quick, don't you? You do. Um, you got to get their head turned right away, and you got to win that battle. And the biggest thing about braid there's a lot to it. It's great line. It's super strong, but the biggest advantage to it for me is when I get bit way, way out. Um, 
and I, I want zero stretch. It's obviously for the hookup. It's not just a frog. I'll, I'll do it with a jig head and a night crawler for walleyes. Now, I'm not necessarily using a braid, but I'll use a fused polyethylene. It's the same stuff. It's just not braided. Uh, but it gives me the stretch rate at zero. So I can use a super light rod, super limp line. It's ridiculously sensitive. Um, in some cases, if I use a light enough wire hook, I can straighten the hook out if I get hung up. I can pop it out of rocks if it gets hung up way better than mono. Um, so there's a lot of times where the braid or the or the any braid or fused to polyethylene line category is advantageous. It's not just bass for sure. I do a lot of it with walleye as well and crappie. Yeah, absolutely. Now, people may think, well, low stretch is always better, but that's not the case, is it? No, matter of fact, it's an absolute nightmare if you use it on too stiff a rod with a crankbait. They'll get off on you all the time. They don't get it right. When they shake their head, nothing gives. When they make a run at the boat, nothing gives. Um, there's a, And I'll tell you another thing about straight braid to the lure. Um, there are certain baits where it'll foul a lot easier. There, there's some topwaters that when you get the cadence with it, it'll foul the hooks. Way more though, way more than a mono or a mono is what I like there because it actually floats, but it's strong. It gives me a little stretch. And another thing, smallmouth do, Dave, all the time, is they'll come up and they'll knock the bait out of the water. And if your bait doesn't foul, a lot of times they'll hit it again. And with mono, it very rarely fouls, but with braid, it happens. It's Murphy's Law, especially when the biggest one does it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Or or a uh, top water with a prop. Same thing. That braid's going to get wrapped around there very easily. Um, so yeah, you're better off uh, if you are using braid to use or just use straight straight uh, uh, mono because it's going to you know float and be better for you or have less of a sink rate than the. Uh, how about for live bait? What do we, what's the is there a preference on that? Yeah, one thing I should say on the topwater thing that I've done last couple of years, just to back up to that real quick, that's been absolutely lethal is I'll take thirty pound braid and put about a you know fourteen to sixteen inches of mono in front as a leader. Yeah, you get the best of both worlds. You get no foul, but if they bite it way out, um, you get them pinned, and then you can get an amazing cadence on the bait from way out too. Because whatever I do with that rod tip, that bait's going to react because of the little stretch of the braid. But specific to live bait, I'll do both. I mean, if I'm using a, a, a night crawler on a jig head, I use very light, like one pound diameter, four pound strength fused polyethylene for a million reasons. If I get hung up in the rocks, and it's something I've actually taught before, especially in riprap, you get hung up with it, you can actually load the rod uh, and grab a bunch of extra line with your left hand and then let go of it and throw the tip at the snag. And a lot of times it'll come out where it doesn't with mono. Why? I don't know, but it does. So that's a big advantage, but also the sensitivity of it is just ridiculous. Cuts through current beautifully. Um, it just presents the bait really well. They certainly don't care. In my opinion, on the color, I'm using a white line, and it doesn't seem to matter at all because it's so thin in diameter. Um, and again, if you get bit way out, you don't have to, you know, do the two steps back, great big swing and hook set. It's just a little pop with the rod tip, and it works beautifully. But there's certain times I'll use monofilament with it, especially if I'm using like a minnow on a hook with absolutely no weight. This is a river technique we use um, in the wintertime, and I'm going on a dead drift you know, through shallow pools and, and not super shallow, but areas where they're at. And I want the freest, most natural presentation I can possibly imagine. 
and I use six pound line, sometimes four with a small hook and a live minnow and nothing, not even a split shot and pitch it. Now it's a patience game, but the mm-hmm. mono seems to work the best for that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, Hey, we all want to catch fish and it's, that, that's, uh, it's all fun. How about, um, for like a, um, chatterbait and spinnerbait, what's your preference on those? Yeah, two different lines there. Chatterbait, I'm throwing exclusively, for me personally, it's 20-pound fluorocarbon, non-negotiable. And and we've talked about this before. Yeah. A lot of people throw braid, a lot of people throw 15 or 25. Or, but in my opinion, it stays connected on the fall with regard to sink rate beautifully. For whatever reason, why it is, I don't know. It doesn't fall limp like braid, but it doesn't fall too stiff like 25 or 30. And another thing I love about it, and this again is something you have to see to believe, is if you run the bait through the water in clear water, shallow, and you watch it hunt, especially if you know how to rig a trailer to make them hunt a little better than the butt, than the uh, chatterbaits originally designed to do, 20-pound fluorocarbon seems to do that beautifully and right now dave i'm running it on st croix iact glass it's a 7-2 heavy moderate carbon fiber rod with glass in it so it's the best of both worlds because i'm getting the carbon fiber advantage because i'm i am using a line that stretches a little bit unlike braid but it protects it beautifully and it's just been the hit to hookup ratio has just been surreal with that combination yep and spinnerbait well, spinnerbait, I'll throw a lot on direct braid, mm-hmm. uh, especially if I'm short overhand casting. I'm not, the bait's not tumbling in the air. I know it's not going to wrap up on me. I can kill it and the blades will fall. The spinnerbait, whether it's a Colorado or a willow as it's fallen, is going to fall beautifully where those blades, for whatever reason, don't seem to have a lot of wrap up with it. But I love what I really love it for is if I do get bit by a big one on a laydown, I have the horsepower to move it, and it's mandatory for me in vegetation. If I'm kick cleaning that blade in weeds, braid is the juice for doing that. Because every time you pop that rod tip, that bait reacts immediately, more so than mono or fluoro, and it'll rip those weeds off that blade. Plus, plus if I get one on in vegetation, it'll cut through weeds, and mono won't. If you, you'll find out if you do pad stems with mono. They'll get around those things, and you're in trouble or braid you pop it and keep loaded up and it'll cut through it absolutely and always good information we didn't get to cover everything that we'd like to online but it gives somebody somewhere to start and uh, something to think about i thank you as always for the great information dan dave thanks always for having me appreciate it oh no problem that was dan johnston i am dave kranz this is the we fish asa podcast and this segment's brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We'll be right back after these messages. Daiwa, MAG4Z, similar in design to our SV system. Reels with MAG4Z excel when it comes to casting control while fishing bigger, heavier baits. Our standard reels have a fixed rotor on the spool, meaning the braking pressure is consistent across the entirety of the cast. MAG4C incorporates a spool that has a dynamic rotor that can adjust out and back from the spool. This gives you maximum control and casting precision. Daiwa. For over 75 years here at St. Croix, we believe every angler deserves the best fishing experience possible in being equipped and prepared for the moment opportunity strikes. You can only provide control if you are in control. Our legacy is being written every day with decisions today determining our successes tomorrow. We value contributions and successes of all individuals, protecting and preserving the things that matter most, taking care of people like family, the persistent pursuit of perfection, St. Croix.
Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has been on before. He certainly has a passion for the outdoors. He has a passion for ice fishing. Welcome back, Brian Brosdahl. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. We had you on here seven, eight weeks ago with uh, kind of an ice preview for us here in northern Illinois, southeast Wisconsin, and you were already fishing up there in northern Minnesota, but uh, we're you're kind of mid-season. I kind of wanted to get a mid-season report. What's going on up there? Well, you know, we had we had a real good cold snap, and when no one else was fishing, we had eight inches of ice, and then it went to 40, almost 50 degrees for uh, about six days. In, in with highs above freezing at night then it rained for two days over an inch in one day mm. and so the river swelled up and made the ice actually dangerous and uh then we got uh slowly got into some cold snaps and it got below zero and probably a record year for people going through um and what i'm seeing the common common thing is they're not drilling they're just driving their machines and driving their cars so I uh, just want to tell people the best peace of mind is to drill because there's still uh, uh, air underneath the ice. There's there's still watery pockets there from that big thaw. We've never had ice like this, but we're starting to make some serious ice. And the kind of common depth on the lakes around here is 12 inches. But the bigger, deeper lakes have uh, anywhere from uh, four to six inches in spots because they were open only about five days ago so in the middle so everybody if you're fishing in my area to have get someone full of energy to drill ahead and if you don't feel like drilling your way out go to a resort pay their the access fee probably the price of a of a hamburger to have them go out and drill and uh, set set a trail and follow that trail and you'll be safer than just going and driving really slow and just hoping that doesn't work <laughs> no say you and i are on the same page there safety 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 first gotta do it yeah. and as a rule of thumb um i would i would like to drill every 100 feet it's not doesn't seem that far but that ice can change in in 50 feet but uh, uh 100 feet is that about what you normally do oh yeah it, 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 you know what i do is uh I'll, I'll walk and drill and my wife heather i'll have her drive the machine and i'll waver up to this to this I'll stay right here, and, and I have her stop, and then I walk and I drill. And a lot of times, you know, when, when we're just using a side by side, I'll drill till I hit 12 inches. I don't drill every hole down and measure every single hole. When I hit 12 inches, and I have a, a marker line on my, I have a four inch razor auger, and as soon as I hit that four inches or 12 inches, you're good. And I, yeah. I, we're good. We don't. I leave a dry socket because then you can visually look at it too. It's kind of kind of neat, but. Uh, yeah, so that tag team, but yeah, I'm a big guy, and I I'm a healthy big guy because I walk miles and miles and miles, and it's not hard. It's like walking through a, a shopping mall, except you're out on a lake, which is super exciting. <laughs> even better. Even... Nowadays, it's so easy. And uh, but anyway, uh, enough of the safety. There's plenty of that online, and just let's not be a statistic. Let's not hurt the sport. Uh, if you're a statistic, you're hurting the sport. So. Uh, get out there and fish, and the fishing has been fantastic. And we're seeing some changes up here. You know, everybody used to drive to Winnipegosh, Leech Lake, all these destinations way, way up. They're going to Red Lake for walleyes, but I'm going to be driving south. I'm going to drive by 
a thousand legs to go down to Mille Lacs because those perch are coming back mm. and there is some hogs. You're going to see my face in Mille Lacs in March and April because uh, it's going to be fantastic and, and they love Brobuck spoons so Northland uh, helped me when designing something I needed. I needed a larva shaped spoon with eyes and slender profile uh, and that is a Mille Lacs weapon. Uh, sneeze and electric perch are some hot colors, eighth ounce, and then uh, you can go lighter or heavier depending on the bite. Uh, but I, I got to say that it's it's kind of neat. Uh, that lake has been through a lot of changes. Really tough laws on the walleyes. Who cares? The stripers are pretty fun. Those little yellow perch are amazing. And one of my favorite fish because when you get on them, it's lots of action. Yeah, and they taste good too, don't they? Oh, they're, they're the best. It's, it's like a walleye, but just a little better taste. I mean, walleyes are pretty bland. Perch have a sweet taste and go with a lot of recipes. They're so firm. You can use them in chowders, and uh, you can use walleyes too, but you better put them in super, super late. Otherwise, you're going to pulverize them. Perch are firm and are just good for everything. Tacos, just fry them and eat them. And it's their fault for tasting so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to get out this week and uh, have some uh, fish tacos myself and uh, catch some bluegills, perch, or crappies and uh, uh, see see what, what happens there. Th- does it change the fishing a lot when you get this unstable ice and you get ice, you lose ice, the water goes up, goes down? Does is it is it almost like a restart where it gets to be like first ice again? It gets to be like first ice and... And that's a thing, too, is I see people head way out to the middle on Winnie or Leith, trying to get to that structure or hook way offshore where they got them really good last year or the year before, and they're shoreline dwelling. And that's the biggest secret. I'm telling you there, and a lot of people up here don't know, they're just racing to get way far away, but they, they might say, hey, what's that guy doing way up by shore? And that's me having a good time catching fish. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking for... Uh, not right up by shore. I'm looking for shoreline connected breaks. So if you look on a map, the big flats that go to the basin, the furthest they go out or the biggest inside curves, the fish are using them still because it's it's still like early ice, even though it's late. And the only reason they're having a, a you'll you'll catch only a third of the walleyes you see right at dark. You see 25 come through in that hour of power, but you'll you'll catch. Four, the most you'll catch is six or, or eight because they're so well fed. There's a perch explosion up here with little perch minnows, and it's on everybody water. And it's not just a Minnesota thing. It's Dakotas and Wisconsin. There's so much little perch that the fish are just gorging on them. They're just coughing up uh, perch when you're catching them, little babies. And so you can match the hatch uh, using glass buckshot, gold perch, green perch, uh, or regular buck, buck shots, gold, anything perch pattern, but I do like blue. And the super glow blue is super hot. And blue is the least selling color in all of, all of the tackle manufacturers, but it's a big mistake, and here's why. Everybody I know when I fished the FLW and the National Walleye Tour, they always had blue tied on in their box. They never talked about it. That's why it's <laughs> not selling, but all the pros use blue. So check out super glow blue, super glow white. And if there's a lake with a sunfish, remember the walleyes eat sunfish, so get that bright chartreuse, and uh, you're going to be rocking them. And I'm telling you, that Super Glow is the real deal. It glows right through the package, super bright, and uh, check it out. If it says Super Glow, and uh, they have a different sticker on there. It's a little silver 
sticker on the front, very small one, because if you put too big of a sticker, it dulls the glow. So check it out. It's the buckshot or the coffin spoon that has a smaller sticker and so they can glow super bright. Excellent information from Brian Brosdaw. As always, I appreciate it, my friend, and it won't be the last time I call you for a report. Thanks for having me. And everybody, have fun, be safe, but get out ice fishing. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian Brosdahl. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and it's brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back after these messages. Calcutta Outdoors. From bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn-out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Iowa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate backlashes. Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz and this podcast is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I'd like to welcome back to the program, Ot Defoe. How you doing, Ot? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing good. So we're right on top of the season starting. Uh, 2024 outlook. What What are you looking forward to? <laughs> well, uh, currently I'm looking forward to the snow going away. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I'm, I'm you know look at our whole schedule on on Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour, and man, we've got a we've got a really cool schedule because. We've got such diverse fisheries and honestly new fisheries. I'll, I'll be going to more new places this season in one year than I have in probably the last two or three combined, and, and I love that. It's, that makes it so much fun. Um, you know, I've been fishing tournaments for quite a while now, and uh, and it seems like we go to a lot of the same places over and over. Um, we're not doing that this year. We, we've got a lot of lot of new water, and then, and then also some water that I've not been to in you know a decade or, or, or longer on some level. So even the places where I do have a little bit of experience, it's pretty dated. So I, I'm just excited about our schedule as much as anything. Yeah, and and you can do that because you, it's not like you have a huge field of 200 boats where it has to have the ramp capacity and the places for people to stay and, and everything else. The smaller fields are uh, allow you to do this and go to places. That's got to be exciting, too. Yeah, it definitely is. I, I love that we fish. You know, most of the fish on the day is, is 40 guys, and it definitely does allow us to um, to go to different bodies of water. And even some of these that we're going to that are new, I mean, some of them are really fast, you know, so it's not it's not like they're, they are smaller bodies of water, but we, we have took advantage of that some in the past. Um, you know, but a place like Del Hollow would be kind of a tough one if you had, you know, 100 boats on the water at a time or, or something, but, 
Yeah. Yeah, with our 40 guys at a time, it's definitely uh, very doable there. Yeah. Well, and you know what? We were talking off the air before we started uh, the interview, and across the country, the weather is brutal. And is that going to change some of these earlier tournaments? Is it going to make them tougher or better? Or what do you think? You know, it, it has been very brutal, this, this blast that, you know, most everybody has, has had a dose of. Um, definitely has, has set things back. But, I mean, I'm looking at, like, Toledo being for next week. Um, you know, leaving later this week, they're supposed to have a lot of rain and a lot of warm rain, honestly. You know, stuff that's in the 50, 60 degrees and raining. Um, and that that's honestly even better than uh, sunny days in the 60s, you know. Yeah. Just that warm warm runoff like that will really change, uh, you know, change those fish's mood quick. I'm hoping. Um, I'm hopeful in saying all that that it's going to be that way. But, uh, no, I definitely think that it can. And, and I, I like not having to have fished in this Arctic blast, but I like that we had it, honestly, because it really gives you that hard reset. Um, that if you never get a, a really hard cold spell in the winter and it's just kind of a mild winter, sometimes the fish don't, in my opinion, don't fully reset. Um, but when you have these really, really cold spells, it's like, okay, we've had winter, that was a winter. Everything beyond this is is moving the right direction, and I, I think the fish kind of feel that way too. Yeah. Do you think when it's warmer that you get kind of a trickle spawn that happens, and this is not going to happen? When it happens, it's going to go. Uh, yeah, I think so. And and I mean, it, it is still you know for a lot of places still you know I mean in Tennessee our, our spawn you know pretty much happens in April sometime in April late April. Um, you know, somewhere there, just depending on the fisheries. But, um, but yeah, some of those other places, it can, you know, the the next three or four weeks of weather is what's really going to determine if it's like a sudden flood to the bank and all the fish go at once or if it is kind of that lingering spawn where, you know, some fish pull up and drop back and that kind of stuff. Uh, but it is, it is nice when you get that and it's cold, 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 and then it really kind of ramps up and stays nice all at one time. Yeah, yeah, and then it turns into spring and stuff starts blooming, and uh, and uh, it is uh, that that's a good thing. Are any of these new places? I know you said you're excited about. Is there one in particular that you're like really excited about going to? Um, probably, honestly, probably the Chowan River, just because I don't think anybody in our field, possibly David Dudley. Um, I, I don't know that anybody else in our field has ever fished there. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure some guys have already pre-fished and, and some will, you know, between now and then. And I, I may try to squeeze in a trip over there to look around for a day or two. But, um, yeah, that's probably one. If I was going to look at something on the schedule and be like, man, there's, that's one I'm really excited about. That would be it, just because of the fact that it is basically new for the whole field. Yeah, and I think for the for the uh, people that are watching and and uh, and seeing the results and, and watching the, the the live streams and things like that, that's going to be exciting for the for the watchers too. Yeah, it definitely should be, you know, because they're going to get to really get to see us. You know, we get three days of practice, but still, they're going to really get to see us on a on a new place. And, and a lot of our a lot of our fisheries um, are target rich environments you know i mean a lot of those places are shallow water fisheries that's even you look at the two tournaments we have in june we have the chowan and the james river those are both 
you know, shallow water fisheries, even though we're there in the summertime. So should be a, should be a very good season uh, for viewership, too. Yeah, and I think the people that live there will be uh, watching closely because you guys are going to teach them something. You at the highest level of of bass fishing, and people get set in their ways, and they've probably fished those areas this way their whole lives. That's what they do. That's what people do. But you're, I think you're going to open their eyes to some new things there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a possibility when we go somewhere like that with that's never had major you know, major events and stuff that somebody always figures out something that locals never do. Um, it's, it's always that way when we, when we went to new places and I, I wouldn't think it would really be any different there. No, probably not. Hey, Ad, I got to take a quick break for my sponsors. Okay. And when I come back, I'd like to hear more about your sponsors. So uh, we'll be right back with more We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz. Listen to these commercials and we'll be right back with you. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. St. Croix, crafting the best rods on earth takes a team effort. Takes a lot of hands to produce a St. Croix fishing rod, 32 to be exact. Every rod we manufacture is carefully crafted, assembled, and tested by passionate professionals who want to ensure you have the best fishing experience possible. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Iowa. Our SV system is made with one thing in mind, casting control. The design of the spool, as well as how the spool interacts with the braking system, gives maximum control and ease of use when it comes to situations people might generally struggle with. Whether it's casting lightweight baits, skipping, pitching, casting into the wind, or even if you're just getting accustomed to a bait casting reel, SV is designed to help you excel. When set properly, SV reels virtually eliminate Backlashes, Daiwa. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz here with Optifoe. We have had a good conversation so far, but Ot, who keeps you on the water? Who, who keeps you going out there? We can't do this without sponsors. Uh, who's helping you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Bass Pro Shops, General Tire, um, Nitro, Mercury, Rapala, um, Mossy Oak, Onyx. Uh, that's uh, the list is. Uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for uh, for every one of my sponsors, uh, and, and I hate naming them because I always I, I never get them all. But, uh, <laughs> those are those are some certainly some of the ones that uh, that come to mind right off. And you know, I'm, I'm very thankful, Dave, that the bulk of my sponsors I really have to look at. You know, sit down and, and write it out and see. But I, I've been with the bulk of my sponsors at this point for at least a decade, um, and I, that's you know. I'm very appreciative of that. I'm very thankful for their their long term commitment to to myself and my brand, and uh, you know, so it's it does it truly means a lot. And those those companies investing in you um, at all, but certainly for a long time like that, you know, when you look back and you're like, man, wow, man, I, you know, I started my first year with Bass Pro Shops at all was in 2010. Hmm. I started working with them at a, on a corporate level from 2011 on. So. Um, yeah, I've been with them a long time, and, and Rapala was come in just right behind that. Um, yeah, 
most all of the companies that I, that I mentioned are out there I've been with for 10 years at this point. So, um, yeah, I'm very thankful for all those relationships and um, for everything they do, do for us. Yeah, and, and, and you're doing uh, a lot for them. That's why you've had those relationships that long. And I think the high school and collegiate kids should listen to what you're saying. You, you're representing people that you obviously have a passion for their product. You know their product. You're working hard for them. They don't just keep you on. It's just not holding up a bass and showing you how many fish you can catch or winning tournaments, is it? No, it definitely isn't. You know, it's uh, it's it's representing those brands any, anytime you have the opportunity. Uh, you know, and some of that's on on stage or on camera when you're when you're fishing, and a lot of it anymore is honestly what you're doing when competition's not going on. You know, I mean, if you look at our our schedule, you know, we work. You, you could say, quote unquote, work nine weeks of the year. Um, there's a whole bunch more weeks of the year that you still need to be doing stuff and and you know, promoting those sponsors and, uh, you know, making sure that you're, and, and doing it in a way that's not just a, hey, here's a product, you should go buy it. You know, it's it's about, just consumers are, are too smart for that anymore. You've got to truly be trying to teach them. And that's something that I, one, enjoy doing. And, uh, you know, it's certainly something I've, I've had, a, had a passion, you know, growing for because I've realized that, that people want to learn and people, there's a lot of stuff that i kind of take for granted that you know people are eager to eager to hear about eager to learn and uh, you know and along the way you're going to sell stuff so if you're teaching people they're going to want to you know want to have what, exactly what you're using absolutely absolutely so it seems like across the country tournaments have uh come back after the COVID times. I mean, it opens or, or BFLs or Toyotas or uh, everything is, is pretty full, especially when you get to destinations that people really want to fish. I, it, are you seeing the same thing, that there's a lot more people that want to play this game? It definitely seems that way. You know, you look at the participation in, in Toyotas and in the opens, you know, where you can, you know, essentially sign up and, and go fish those. And the, the yeah, the activity in those is, is uh, uh, it seems as though it's as high as it's ever been, um, you know, as far as the participation and stuff. And that's awesome, um, you know, I mean, because there's people that are, you know, getting out, they're going fishing and, and they're, you know, going to different towns and going to different places and they're spending money and it's, it drives the economy, you know, I mean, a lot of those, a lot of those towns truly depend on that destination income, um, you know, to keep those towns afloat and stuff. So it's, it's definitely a good. It still has been a good ride after COVID. I, you know, I kind of on it just to be frank. I assumed that it would have slowed down by now, but it seems like it's still holding pretty strong, and that's a good thing to see. Yeah, I think a lot of people got into fishing because there was everything else was closed, couldn't do it, but they found out that they like it, they enjoy it, they have fun, and it has helped our industry uh, greatly. And like you said, the towns, especially the ones that are up north, like uh, you know St. Lawrence River or Lake Champlain or or uh, you know up in uh, Detroit, Detroit River, Erie, those places, they need that kind of influx uh, because during the winter, sometimes I, I think it's a little slow there. So those uh, summer and fall influx of a good amount of people coming to their towns you know with hotels and gas and food and everything else and, and I think it creates an awareness for the quality of those fisheries also yeah no doubt about it that's uh, I can I mean I have more buddies of mine text me anymore it seems like every year there's more of them I say hey I'm wanting to go on a smallmouth trip or I'm wanting to go try to catch a 
10 pound largemouth or, or whatever you know people are looking for places to go and you know they're gonna spend some money when they go on a trip like that and they're looking for a place to, to make memories and have have fun and catch fish and um, you know so they're sort of like they're it's like well can i fish my local lake three times this month and and go catch a few or can i take a trip you know here and take about four or five days and take a trip and go somewhere that's going to be really great and that seems to be what what people are opting to do a lot more yeah and in spite of the pressure on these lakes from tournaments and more people wanting to go to them i think these the bass fisheries across this country seem to be as good as ever yeah as a whole i would agree with that you know uh, i certainly would there's uh, looking at like toledo bend you know i know it went to a kind of a whole spell it seemed like but everything that i've i've heard and seen and, and stuff it seems like it's definitely come back and the, the grass is in there good again and um you know that it, it should be a fantastic fishery and, and lakes as a whole they, they do cycle you know they'll have they'll have you know good seasons and bad seasons and um i hate it because here in east tennessee Douglas and Cherokee, a couple of our main lakes seem to be kind of in a in a slump right now. Um, weights are definitely down and stuff, but um, they've done that before and bounced back, and I, I expect that they will again. But um, yeah, as a whole across the country, fishing is uh, it, it's in a pretty good spot. Yeah, and and that's a good thing because the uh, it's good to get people out in the outdoors. We're seeing younger and younger people that are wanting to play this game and. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not as much on the major league fishing side, but the the BASS side. It seems like those guys keep getting younger every year, and and some of these kids that are trying to qualify at all levels, no matter you know Toyotas, BFLs, they're they're pretty darn good. Oh, they're they're excellent. And it's, uh, um, you know, like you look at the look at some of the crop that's coming this year into the Bass Pro Tour, and uh, one of them jumps out at me real quick. It's Marshall. Robinson Marty's boy he's yeah I think he's 19 or 20 or so maybe and you know qualified in on his first year um to the tackle warehouse so um and Nick Nick Hatfield and other guys from pretty close to where I live uh he's in his 20s yeah I think most of the most of that crop of guys that are coming in this year you know are in their are 20 something year olds uh you know so it's it's definitely a uh young young guy that definitely making a push in our sport um more so than it, than it seems like they ever did. Um, yep, and I, I think part of that's high school and collegiate fishing, and, and part of it is uh, interest of uh, availability to be able to watch everybody on TV or on their computers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that, uh, what, what high school and college fishing has done, and, and I look at that, um, especially with the, with the Robinsons. I mean, man, they have dominated over there in South Carolina and, and, and Marshall's younger brother Mitchell's a lot the same way. I mean, they just, man, they have, you know, they, they've ate their lunch over there in that high school and stuff. Uh, but, uh, and then, so they just fish a lot, you know, I mean, that's, and that was, when I was in high school, I fished a lot like that too. But I went to, I went to Jefferson County High School, 2,000 kids in the school. It was 500 some in my class. Myself and my brother, and maybe two other, two or three other kids in the school ever fished tournaments. Huh. Like we were out of two thousand kids, and it, the high school was dead between Cherokee and Douglas Lakes. Like yeah, high school fishing was just—it was just not a thing. I mean, people didn't get into fishing until they were in their twenties. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, and and that, that's not the case anymore. I mean, these, you know, 
they're, they're getting in at a junior level and then fishing into high school. And so by the time they graduate high school, they've fished more than the people who were, you know, 25 or 30 that were just getting into it whenever I was, um, whenever I was starting fishing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate uh, your time as always. Look forward to watching you uh, this season, and I'm sure it won't be the last time we have you on because uh, every time you win, we have you on. I wanted to get an outlook, and you gave me a good one. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you'll you'll say yes next time I call you. Absolutely. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, no problem. That was Ot Defoe. I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. I would like to thank my sponsors, who are all proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Thank you to Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Thank you to St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And thanks to Daiwa, they've got your bass covered. Thank you to my first guest, Dan Johnson, bringing us up to speed on the types of line and the uses for them. That's always interesting. We try to do that about once a year. Brian Brosdahl, thanks for the ice fishing update. You always do a great job. And you just heard from Ot Defoe talking about the cold weather they're having in the South and his 2024 outlook. This is... The We Fish ASA podcast, and I always look forward to bringing you next week's episode of the We Fish ASA podcast. Until then, please take someone fishing to help grow our sport. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.